Namaste. Namaste. And welcome to all of you for our continuing series in Savitri entitled Savitri is the Message. Today we are on Canto 14 of Book 2, The World Soul. And I have to read a few minutes. A covert answer to his seeking came. In a far shimmering background of mind space, a glowing mouth was seen, a luminous shaft, a recluse gate, it seemed, musing on joy, a veiled retreat and escape to mystery. Away from the unsatisfied surface world, it fled into the bosom of the unknown, a well, a tunnel of the depths of God. It plunged as if a mystic groove of hope through many layers of formless, voiceless self to reach the last profound of the world's heart. And from that heart there surged a wordless call, pleading with some still impenetrable mind, voicing some passionate unseen desire. As if a beckoning finger of secrecy, outstretched into a crystal mood of air, pointing at him from some near hidden depth, as if a message from the world's deep soul, an intimation of a lurking joy that flowed out from a cup of brooding bliss, there shimmered, stealing out into the mind, a mute and quivering ecstasy of light, a passion and delicacy of roseate fire. The world soul is none else but the cosmic divine, Krishna as the indwelling universal, if you want to put it in Indian terms. Krishna is the word which means uh, one who draws us, Akarshan, that's how the word goes. So he is the source who draws us all towards him, even when we, I mean, we are helplessly attracted towards him. That grand vision on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, some people get scared because they see, oh God, this is terrific. Terrific it is, no doubt about it. Terrifying to the ego, but gratifying to the soul. Terrific in the sense, all the warriors are going into his mouth. So people get very scared. But then, into whose mouth? The mouth, like a luminous shaft. The divine is drawing all of them into himself. Some of those warriors who are standing against his will, even they are being drawn to him. So actually it gives hope. <laughs> if, if those who are the opponents, even they are being drawn into him. We, here in the earthly play, there is for and against. But he is the one who draws all creatures back into himself. Destroys the ego and liberates that true formless self. In this canto we also see the beautiful journey of the soul after death that comes later yeah, on. Yes. So this is the limit to which the human soul can ordinarily go. And after this there is the beyond which is the yes. greater knowledge. And no yogi can pass beyond it. 
if he tries to do it he will have to take a leap and never come back so this here we see a very interesting description of uh, ashapati's yoga ashapati has gone through all the layers seeking for the uh, mystery the meaning of this creation the solution to the riddle of creation the power that can transmute it and he goes step by step step by step then he enters into a space called in the self of mind and in the self of mind he experiences what is called normally as you know nirgun brahma so that's where he experiences that state where there is uh, impersonality there is the wide hush immobility yes. and there when he is there then he discovered that extinction is the escape is the only remedy that's how he experiences it but that's not what he is seeking so if you see the previous canto that's what it ends with in the self of mind to be was a prison extinction the escape but that's not what he is seeking so the next canto start with a covert answer to his seeking came he is seeking something else he is not seeking an escape from earthly life so where is that power which can redeem earth so to his persistent seeking there is an answer but what a beautiful adjective shrivindo says covert answer a covert answer yes <laughs> <laughs> so very often we say uh, how do we know that the divine has called us they would ask shrivindo so you know sometimes uh, semi humorously in a humorous vein you know like people often say when mother calls me then i will come so <laughs> once it so happened uh, that you know in in delhi i was there so i told my friend you mean uh, you will get a ticket uh, right <laughs> booking done strangely this fellow actually ended up getting a ticket and whose ticket my own ticket because my leave leave was cancelled so it was <laughs> so i said you want to go to pondicherry he said yes so i said see the call has come literally with the ticket only thing is that you are not me <laughs> you are impersonating me those were days when it, it didn't matter so going to the divine everything is allowed if you want to go you can go he actually ended up reaching this place but call doesn't come like that it's not like when mother calls me how do we know that the call is not there being drawn towards her having that urge to go to her is itself a calling and this calling the sign that we are being called is that there will be a joy that's how there is a whole description when we are nearing the divine's house how do we experience life how do we know that we are closing in on the home of the divine which is our own spiritual home that's how it is described toward the later part that as if one neared one's own spiritual home so what happens when you come home you are filled with joy anticipation and expectation those are the things that one experiences and these are the messages that one begins to receive uh, two little stories about it once one lady she came to pondicherry and she would feel very sleepy so she just won't go even for the balcony darshan she won't go and she would feel so terribly sleepy so she sent a message through her friend to um mother that you know i come here i want to come here but i feel so sleepy i am sleeping all the time i can't even come to for the balcony darshan so mother sent her a reply tell her when daughters come to mother's house they come to rest and <laughs> this is the answer so this call which comes comes in strange ways to human being this about the he is he is seeking as led him there and if we persist in the seeking 
But he goes through all the things. It's not like you sought God and God suddenly one day. We have those stories, unfortunately, of Dhanna Jat. You know, he's sitting with a stick in hand that I'll beat you up if you don't eat food. Now, that's not the way to approach God. It's a long journey. Ashupati goes through the physical worlds, vital worlds. There are worlds where he feels this is it. But he realizes that no, it's just a bubble. He continues. Then he goes through the dark night. Descent into night. But he persists in his seeking. That's the beauty. Even when he experiences a wide, impersonal self, he is still persistent in his seeking. A time comes when there is a covert answer to his seeking. And that's what we see described here. A covert answer to his seeking came in a far, shimmering background of mind space. He has reached that point in the self of mind and is there something beyond most yogins would come there and say, we are, we seek freedom and we have found it. We found it, yes. And Shubhinda says in one of his uh, aphorisms that they told me that, you know, beyond the uh, sagun, the personal, there is the impersonal. And I went there, the impersonal of the Advaitin. And then I discovered Krishna's infinite personality, which is, Beyond the impersonal. That's how he says that I discovered it. Beyond the personal and the impersonal. So that's where he has come because that's where the key lies to go beyond the cosmic. Is the not in... Actually we have been reading about it in the Upanishadic sense. He is the not who draws all the things from the transcendent and then transmits. So this is the overmind if you want to put it in that category. And the Godhead who... You have to pass through him if you want to go beyond. We have so many stories of Aurovillians and how they came to Auroville. Oh, yes. It's incredible stories. One fellow has to bring a machine part mm. and he comes and gives it and suddenly he never leaves Auroville. <laughs> another one is, another was on a broken bus and they land in Auroville and he stays forever, 50 years and more. And how people came? Amal Kiran. Amal Kiran yes. saw it in a shoe wrap. Uh, but uh, paper, that's, newspaper that's the wrapping part of the story everybody knows. But this is the aftermath of the story. Because he, his father would not let him come until he gets married. So there was another lady who also wanted to come. Daulat Pandey. Heard about her? They married just to come to Pondicherry. And they took a route via Kolkata. Because uh, if they tell to the father that we are going to Pondicherry, no, no, Pondicherry was uh, known that, you know, it was known that people who come here, some magic is done, they don't feel like going back. So they took a ticket to Calcutta, from Calcutta they came to Chennai. (laughs) And then when the parents asked, where are you? No, we thought we have some time, we might as well go to Chennai, Madras. So okay, Madras, then after some day they are here in Pondicherry. Where are you? Well, we thought that we have come so far, why don't we... Pondicherry is nearby. So we have come to Pondicherry. So how does this call come? The fact that we are nearing the divine, they sense that this is my true home. I I know one lady who had, uh, you know, malignant uh, uh, disseminated cancer. And she was, she had few more months to live. And she came for the first time. She came in contact, seeing picture of mother in my room. So, she says, I don't know. When she came back, she says, I don't know why I cried and cried and cried. It felt I have come to my home. 
I said, yes, that is the sense that one gets that one is in one's spiritual home. So this is what we will see here. A veiled retreat and escape to mystery. It's not an escape into the inane, but mystery in the highest sense of the word. Away from the unsatisfied surface world. That's why Sri Krishna says in the Gita, Anityam Asukham Lokam Bhajasvamam This transient, dissatisfied world, come to me. A well, a tunnel in, of the depths of God. This is mystic experience where one passes through that tunnel. It plunged as if a mystic groove of hope through many layers of formless, voiceless self to reach the last profound of the world's heart. And from that heart there surged a wordless call, pleading with some still impenetrable mind, voicing some passionate unseen desire, pleading. Just imagine the word. Divine is pleading. Why are you? You don't have to suffer. Come to me. Pleading. And this mm. call is there in every human heart. At one place in Savitri, Shabinda says, my call is there in men and things. But we are so much lost in the surface noise. But Sri Aurobindo does tell us that once we have answered the call, we are going to realize yeah. what we came for. He says, uh, it is more true than 2 plus 2 equals to 4. Yes. yes. <laughs> Only the past passage is there. And you have to persist through. That's what the message of 17th yes. November. You have to persist through. It's a journey like any journey. You may have, like yesterday, what was it, cyclone, and all kinds of obstacles you have to face. But he who persists, persists. That's the whole story. As if a beckoning finger of secrecy. Can you imagine what an image this is? What is that beckoning finger of secrecy? You know, if you have to do it in a gesture form, it's like, come. Yes. Beckoning finger of secrecy, come. So beautiful, some secret finger is just gently calling you. That gesture, divine is doing that gesture, <laughs> Outstretched into a crystal mood of air, pointing at him from some near hidden depth, as if a message from the world's deep soul, an intimation of a lurking joy. You begin to feel that joy, that two things are a sign that divine presence is nearby uh, one is peace and the second is ananda yes peace is the sign of the static divine presence yes. ananda of the dynamic presence so generally uh, shurbindo's presence is peace mother's presence is ananda it's like that so that spiritual joy one begins to experience and the opposite is also true if one is feeling restless agitated then other influences are working around because that's just the contrary to the divine. An intimation of a lurking joy that flowed out from a cup of brooding bliss. <laughs> you can imagine the Godhead, you know, with that cup of bliss. And as he's drinking, some prashad is flowing down and you are near, you taste it and you are filled with joy. Somebody could make a painting out of it. There shimmered, stealing out into the mind, a mute and quivering ecstasy of light, a passion and delicacy of roseate fire. 
and then comes this beautiful three lines as one drawn to his lost spiritual home this is the, the um, inner meaning of the lost tribes of israel so it's very interesting because there are 12 tribes and 12th is the lost tribe of israel and where are they going they are looking for their true home it's a symbolic story mm. of course it manifests on earth through all the trauma and trouble but the symbol of the story look at the 12th tribe there is a kind of one of the uh, root race which are searching for that lost home and that's why we are never fully at home till we have found the divine and when we find the divine we are at home everywhere and that's sometimes people get you know <laughs> are you comfortable yes this is like my home but the other person may think oh when are you leaving <laughs> it's too much of my home <laughs> but there's a feeling you get because you have discovered your home which is in the divine so spiritual home feels now the closeness of a waiting love that story again and again comes to mind narad i am waiting i am thirsty i am waiting waiting love he describes savitri as the lyric of love that waits through time into a passage dim and tremulous that clasped him in from day and night's pursuit he traveled led by mysterious sound so then we find the whole description is of the different kinds of sounds uh, that one experiences in the process of i'd like to read that yeah, one yeah, yeah. please because uh, for me that mysterious sound when all sounds combine becomes om yes he traveled led by a mysterious sound a murmur multitudinous and lone this uh, i'll just yeah, sure like a murmur multitudinous and lone now have you uh, those who are familiar with brahmari you know what do you do um, it's like that yes. you see so there is a it's not only about the technique outer that's not that's probably important but not so important mm-hmm. but when you make that sound you are trying to uh, in outward ways bring out that sound which actually there is an experience of that sound inwardly mm, that multitudinous and lone yeah all sounds it was in turn yet still the same a hidden call to unforeseen mm. delight in the summoning voice of one long known well loved but nameless to the unremembering mind it led to rapture back the truant heart what a you know truant heart <laughs> yes. heart that is straight away <laughs> from the one true love it goes here they are looking for that heart which is waiting calling and what is it summoning voice of one long known well loved so one of the signs that one is initiated into the yoga is one recognizes the mother oh she is the one it's not about one life lifetime since beginning there is this relation which declares itself the divine knows it we don't know it the day we know it then the bridge has been built from this side also so but no. i do, i do remember when 
when we met Mother on Annie's birthday on December 18, 1968. Mother looked at her and said, I quote, This is not the first time we have met. You have been with me many times before. Many, many times. So it led to rapture back the truant heart. One line conveys so much in this truant heart. And it's a journey, it is a passage through which one goes till the heart becomes ready and ripe. If the divine comes straight away and says, you know what, I, you are looking for me. Sir, I am sorry, what's your identity card, what's your number? Mm-hmm. No, no, me, sir, please, I am looking for someone else. So one goes. <laughs> there also he is there. That's why he lures us and then leaves us to weeping again. That's the play. Each lure is ultimately a snare that Krishna weaves around our souls. And each leaving is Krishna's grace that he reminds us that not yet. So this is called in um, Indian parlance Vaishnavi Maya. Vaishnavi Maya lures us through apparent forms towards ultimately towards the divine. Because it's necessary for you know, our evolution. Many people who wanted to come to the ashram, mother would tell them to wait. My dear friend Aurobindo Basu mm. was ready to come from England and Sri Aurobindo wrote to him and he said, I've spoken with mother and we think you should get a little more world experience. They kept him out for 16 years. Yes. 16 years. And Absolutely. Then, the immortal cryer. Where am I? The immortal cry. Page. Uh, wait, I'll dig it out. Yeah, I think I lost it. Just the Yes, the immortal. The immortal cry ravished the captive here, <laughs> then lowering its imperious mystery. It sang to a whisper, circling round the soul. It seemed the yearning of a lonely flute that roamed along the shores of memory and filled the eyes with tears of longing joy. So when Sri was asked, what is flute a symbol of Krishna's entire thing? The peacock plumage is the sign of victory. And the flute, he said, is the symbol of the call of the divine. And um, look at these two lines, yearning of a lonely flute. So you see how these stories in the Bhagavad, they have been, when she was asked that people say that they are myths, mother said, no, they were seers who saw the truth and gave it this form. That is the call of Krishna, the gopis are running, gops and gopis. They don't care about anything else, but want to dance with him. And what, what time is chosen? Midnight. When the world is asleep to the call, they are quietly, gracefully sleeping. That's the time the one who is destined, whose time has come, hears the call and he takes the leap. And then this third line, And fill the eyes with tears of longing joy. This, These are the psychic yes. tears, yes. which come automatically because you know that love, that joy overwhelms and it comes out through the yes. tears of longing joy. These tears wash away, let me add, (laughs) 
many many kalush of god knows what lives much darkness they wash away and uh, if we offer these tears at the feet of the divine they turn into pearls they are part of the great spiritual experience if you read narada's bhakti sutra this is one of the uh, great experiences of spiritual life people um, you know at one place shobindo has used the word weeping is a sign of weakness so people thought that these tears are a sign of weakness i must clarify this no these tears are not sign of weakness sign of weakness is a different kind of weeping where people begin to weep oh amma and they start crying you know that's a sign of weakness yes. we are not able to contain but this these tears which well up from the depths of the soul they are a different yes. tears altogether and now we get into this period where shri arbindo mm. is going to tell us about this sound a cricket's rash and fiery single note mm. it marked with shrill melody night's moonless hush and beat upon a nerve of mystic sleep its high insistent magical reveille so you see in nature this is reproduced actually you will hear the cricket sound if you go to like um, jorhat forest i remember uh, at night you will suddenly hear this sound all around in that uh, jungle forest kind of area like a you know it's note which is insistent there are many of them but the note is one and you hear it <laughs> and they do it with their legs uh. <laughs> yes i hope i used to hear the cricket sound now i don't know whether it was a spiritual experience going on <laughs> no but cricket sound is real and you actually hear it in the night moonless hush that's when you hear it you can hear it in the silence that's the kind of sound which is the first step so there are different stages in which the sound comes a jingling silver mm. laugh of anklet bells traveled the roads of a solitary heart its dance solaced an eternal loneliness now oh. this also you see the image of yes. jingling bells eternal loneliness yes when people are going in a bullock cart they used to uh, put these uh, anklets around the neck of the bullock so it's very fascinating that you know otherwise you will tend to sleep or something if you are going on a lonely road yeah. but this tinkling especially if you hear from far away it has an amazing quality of drawing you why because this again another mystic experience so lot of things in india you will see from ghanta and all these things they are all gong they are all mystic experiences or when you go to the buddhist shrines where they have that uh, chakra mm. dharma chakra so they are all trying to bring out something of that mystic experience in outer life or that tal manjira they are all me- meant to con- communicate something and that line of its dance mm. the dance of those silver bells mm. solaced an eternal loneliness an old forgotten sweetness sobbing came and this eternal loneliness is in the sense that truth of life is as they say that um, they say means uh, it is a <laughs> two things one should always remember uh, complementary truths paradoxical truth one is that one is always alone don't we should not be in the illusion that somebody is with me somebody is mine this is one of the biggest illusions 
And I have seen this when something happens when you are in a crisis. Who comes to help you? Not people whom you have thought about, but someone probably a passerby. So on one side, there is the eternal loneliness. On the other side, the whole world belongs to us. And the two truths are reconciled in the fact of the one divine who is in all. So that's how the reconciliation comes. In between, there are families and relatives. Okay. (laughs) 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 Now, they don't allow us to experience this eternal loneliness, especially when they are very good. If they (laughs) so. (laughs) Okay. Or from a far, harmonious distance heard. The tinkling pace of a long caravan. It seemed at times, or a vast forest's hymn, the solemn reminder of a temple gong, a bee croon honey drunk in summer aisles, ardent with ecstasy in a slumbrous noon, or the far anthem of a pilgrim's sea. And now you understand, we understand that why these sounds still have a soothing effect upon our being. The temple gong, you know, instantly it tends to do something to you. That tinkling caravan, I'm sure some of us have heard it in villages when people would go through and it had some effect which is magical, which you can't understand. Sea, just capturing the sound of the sea or sitting by the side of the sea. Forest hymn. All these have this capacity to bring us back to uh, contact with the truth of our own soul. Just the sound has this ability. Uh, more than even listening to a raga, these sounds have that capacity. At one point of time, someone had actually tried to capture sounds of nature. And one of them which is most uh, uh, helpful is the sea, the anthem of a sea. Just hear the sea sounds at night sitting in the guest house or wherever you are. I mean, it's amazing. Just that waves rising and coming. Don't sit for too long because the beach has a closing time and people will think you are crazy. Anyways, being in Pondicherry, one is half crazy. <laughs> you are trying something which people have not even conceived. So, But it's now, beautiful. Sri Aurobindo hyphenates these two words. A bee croon Honey mm. drunk. <laughs> and if you've listened to the bees when they're filled with mm. honey, or pollen actually, mm. and they're bringing it to the queen. Mm. And incense floated in the quivering air. So you have all the senses begin to experience the subtle realm, subtle truths. These senses are gross senses. With these we can't experience it. But because of the pressure of yoga and these drawings, we begin to come out of this gross cage and the subtle senses become aware. So hearing, uh, ears, nose, taste, touch, all of them begin to transmute. One will smell those perfumes, incense, all these experiences come. A mystic happiness trembled in the breast. Mm. As if the invisible beloved had come, assuming the sudden loveliness of a face. Ah, these wonderful lines. And close glad hands could seize his fugitive feet, and the world change with the beauty of a smile. This is the whole story of Radha's anklet. Mm. 
So seize his fugitive feet. Because they are, God is a busy bee, huh? busy guy. So you can't just tell him, okay, wait, let me see. Just jump on his feet. Don't wait. He is ever busy too. <laughs> the busiest being in creation and yet he has eternity before him. So you feel that urge to catch his fugitive feet. There are such wonderful descriptions of feet of the divine. One of them is Preeti Das Gupta who describes uh, mother's feet. Preeti Di. In a book, Moments Eternal, Hands and Feet. So they were so soft, like as if rose petals. He said, you couldn't imagine they were so soft. And same with Shurabindo's feet. Champaklalji describes, so soft feet. Despite all these eight hours of walking and all. I mean, it's not like he was sitting all these and yet so soft. So they are the feet of the divine. If you go through Savitri, now that we have internet and all these useful things, mm. just type in one day feet. Mm. You will see these lines that you'll never forget. To heal with her feet the aching throb of love and to break the seals on the dim soul of man. Or, he says, when Satchavan says, but now the gold link comes to me with thy feet. Oh, there are so many more for this life. On smile also. There is a whole yes. conversation of the mother. Yes. She says, every time I go to Shurbindo, this is late 60s. She is carrying the cosmic problems. So he just smiles and says, be simple, be simple. And then it's a whole long passage. And then says, be simple. The Lord is looking into everything. <laughs> just yes. smile. He just smiles. Just smiles. That smile is the smile of omnipotence. Who can smile carrying the burden of the world? Only the one who knows the whole thing inside out and has the power yes, to change everything. Yes. He can smile. So it is yes. that smile. Into a wonderful bodiless realm he came. Because we are entering into the zone of the formless, the borders yes. of the formless and the form. The home of a passion without name or voice, a depth he felt answering to every height, a nook was found that could embrace all worlds, a point that was the conscious knot of space, an hour eternal in the heart of time. So this is the point, the world soul, the cosmic being, from where space and time emerge, the cause, conscious knot, like just like yeah. we were talking about the yeah. individuals having knots, the centers. So there is the cosmic center. So beyond it, it is infinity and eternity. There is no space-time. So it is He who, from whom it comes out and becomes space and time. And that's where the World Mother will come in. That's toward the end of this canto we see. The World Mother whose steps create time and whose vision creates space. So that's how space and time are born. And then the play within that being. And now there is a beautiful description. We must read this since we are at this. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and here there is something very interesting. Because people associate being with form. So they often say that God is formless. How can he be a being? This is uh, even when we think of ourselves as I. 
It is not about a form. It's a state where we say I, which is like a formless essence. If we are conscious of our self, it is a being. Form is a later aspect. So here we will see the being. He can assume a form. He does assume a form. But even if he doesn't assume a form, he is still there still can be a being. A presence which is spread around everywhere. A being lived. The silent soul of all the world. First line. Uh, the silent soul of all the world was there. A being lived, a presence and a power, a single person who was himself and all, and cherished nature's sweet and dangerous throbs, transfigured into beats divine and pure. So that's what we see in that Vishwarup Darshan of Krishna. Cherished nature's sweet and dangerous throbs. But when they enter into his consciousness, they all get transmuted. Automatically they get transmuted. That's the effect of that consciousness into beats divine and pure. Here we see their distorted version and that uh, is the whole cosmic play because the moment creation begins out of the cosmic being, you have these two aspects of the cosmic spirit. One is the cosmic truth and the other is cosmic ignorance. So cosmic truth is always behind but the cosmic ignorance is allowed because that's how the development takes place. Like the womb, the dark womb of things. But always there is behind the cosmic truth. So we can conceive it like the womb inside which is dark and the baby is there. Everything is happening mechanically. It is not even aware of what's happening. That state of ignorance, frightening darkness of which the baby also doesn't know that it's so frightening. That is the condition of a lot of humanity which is very comfortable inside the womb of darkness. And then outside is the mother who knows this womb. That's the cosmic truth. It is feeding, doing everything. And then there is the being of the mother whom the baby will still take time to recognize. The passage from the darkness to the light is a painful passage. And yet it takes place. But then the real life and real adventure begins. Before that it's all life is carrying us to whichever <laughs> place. One who could love without return for love. This is the one whom this we are seeking for. This is unconditional love. Today everybody wants unconditional love. Please only divine can give it. Don't burden any human being with this expectation. <laughs> Even if he is divine, you will not be satisfied because then he will love universally. You want unconditional love and exclusive love? Well, mother said that. He said, she said that basically when you want somebody to love you exclusively, you are looking for a divine only for yourself. Whether we like it or not, well, <laughs> that's not how the original plan is. So that's the story of Krishna who, who is with all and each one believes or thinks that he loves me. But Krishna is vast, universal. Now what will happen in the new creation is still something to be surmised. But this is how it will declare the truth of a relationship. But it, it's a long process. Till then we have to understand that the only one who can love us unconditionally, without return, 
is Krishna, is the divine, I mean, divine being. Before that, it all starts very well. I love you unconditionally. But you know, the condition like in, in what is that, share mutual funds. So all the conditions are below in, conditions apply. Ah, conditions apply. In short, this thing and rapidly they will say in television, the advert, very fast, subject to market risks. But it appears unconditional and very satisfying. Because the moment you mention unconditional love, why? Because only it is only divine who can do it. It is very, very satisfying. Conditions begin to come sometimes very soon. I didn't have any, I want nothing for myself, but my parents at least you must take care. In Indian setting, it starts from there. <laughs> then it starts one by one, one by one, one by one. Till ultimately you say, what is this unconditional love you spoke about? Only and only the divine can love unconditionally. And of course, a consciousness identified with the divine. But let's not enter into that. Only the divine can love unconditionally. And what he would do then? Meeting uh, and turning to the best, the worst. Even if you throw at the divine. You see, the story of Shishupal, people again get it in my view, wrong. What is the story? He abused Sri Krishna and at the end he beheaded him. And they use the word justice. I look at it as compassion. So, he was with every abuse, he was remembering Krishna, whom he was abusing Krishna. Krishna says, you are so fond of me, come I will take you into myself. That's why that death is called as Uddhar. You read it actually in the stories. It is not Killed. This is the English translation because there is no equivalent word. Killed. Krishna killed Sishupal. But if you read in Hindi, it is Uddhar. Uddhar means liberated him from that terrible state of being in which he is caught. Mm. So this is the Uddhar where there is perfect compassion. He says, okay, you are remembering me so much. <laughs> come, come, I will absorb you into myself. The only way it could be done was to free him from the misused bodies and the darkened mind. So we can look at so. Even in when the divine apparently destroys, there is full compassion and love. He slays without stint and is full of compassion. He wars for the world and its ultimate years. So we have here, he meeting and turning to the best, the worst. But he tries that if it can be harmonious. Even the worst when we throw to the divine, we have come into contact with the divine. And slowly he will begin to change. Not that this is a path to follow. But all the Rakshasas and Asuras, who came in contact with the divine, the worst they could give to the divine, revolt, anger. What did the divine do at the end? He came and absorbed them back into himself. <laughs> what the yogis try? <laughs> of course, this is a denuded way of going back, not the way of perfection. But that's the action of the divine consciousness. You Punishment would have been that he would have, you know, sent them to some hell. He doesn't do that. In Indian lore, he just says, come back to me. <laughs> That's your solution. <laughs> yes. It healed. It healed the bitter cruelties of earth, transforming all experience to delight. Whenever we experience pain, cruelty, the best remedy is to go to the feet of the divine, cling to him, tell him this is my experience. And it's a matter of everyday experience and hundreds of experiences that what does he do? He transforms it into delight. 
you will come out feeling joy even gratitude that you let me pass through this if this is the end that you brought me near to you then it was all worthwhile transforming all experience to delight intervening in the sorrowful paths of birth it rocked the cradle of the cosmic child you remember krishna baby krishna yes. rocking the cradle this is the symbol and stilled all weeping with its hand of joy it led things evil towards their secret good it turned racked falsehood into happy truth its power was to reveal divinity in every activity even the most distorted even complete falsehood deep inside if you dig 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 deep not advisable to dig deep but if you go inside there is some kind of truth which is supporting this mother describes it and what does the divine do it just removes those coats it can be very painful because we love that falsehood our false image so mother says people have this idea when you surrender to the divine you know you will be uh, you will lose your individuality she says no on the contrary that she has used a very interesting word aggrandizes it she says whatever is capable of being lifted up to divine height she will take it there and whatever was false it will drop away so sometime because as human beings we cling to falsehood that's when the problem comes but he will reveal that divine truth which is inside which may be a small little grain but that was his power to draw that grain out and sometimes that can be unnerving but that's exactly what is the action of the divine when we draw near him we lose all that is false and we discover ourselves in the divine that is again the story of all the gopis no bathing and he says drop shobindra has immortalized this story in one aphorism when god robbed me of my robe of vice sin i let it go happily ah so nice but then when he plucked at my robe of virtue i said no 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 i am a virtuous man how can you take away my robe of virtue but as another mystic has said jaake tumi bohite chaho apar premer bar eke bari sabai tumi ghachao dao tar na thake tar man apman na thake tar dhan ekla karo tumi oke karo akinchan you tear away every dress in which he is concealing hidden himself he will not only pluck away our outer dress next will be vip inside <laughs> pluck away then everything you can't hide your shame because before him when we go just as you know what do mothers do to a child that's exactly the action of the divine come child says no no i don't want to take a bath it's not about you i'll give you a bath because you're dirty <laughs> no mama this that Ah, mama crying, uh, rubbing with soap. Mama, don't do. You are a bad mama. Mama doesn't bother. After he is the child is given a bath, comes out and says, "Thank you, mama. You are so nice. <laughs> Come now, have your breakfast." <laughs> This is exactly the way divine works. And he will once he start the action, 
It's a washing machine, huh? called drone. <laughs> Ashram I describe as the Divine Mother's washing machine. <laughs> once you are in it, topsy-turvy everywhere. You See, once the washing machine door is shut, you can't say kholo. <laughs> you are in it. Ah, once you are in the divine um, action, whatever it is there, the universal, you can't say, no, 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 I didn't uh, sign up for this. <laughs> you signed up for me, no, trust me, not the machine. I am the one who is controlling the machine. <laughs> so that's how it is. <laughs> we'll continue on. Yeah, yeah, we'll finish this uh, yes. passage. It's so wonderful, yeah. Infinite, coeval with the mind of God, it bore within itself a seed a flame, a seed from which the eternal is newborn, a flame that cancels death in mortal things. That's the origin of the jivatma, oh. the soul. And it knows the divine. That's why in the Gita, Sri Krishna says, Mamaiva Ansha. It is me whose ansh is there in the jiva. But then how he becomes the jiva? There he gives the divine mother para prakriti jiva bhuta. It is that ansha. There you discover, are That's the home from which we came. That's why the jiva is always attracted to the divine. When it doesn't understand the divine, then it is attracted towards some image of the divine it conceives. Its image may be divine is all powerful. But it doesn't believe in God. So what does it do? It goes to the politician and believes he is all powerful. It's a mistaken identity, <laughs> question of mistaken identity. But basically he is looking for a being of power. He is looking for a being of knowledge. So he believes that if he goes to Harvard University and discusses with the professor, he will get the knowledge. Till he discovered that this fellow is as ignorant as, <laughs> probably more ignorant. So this is how the whole process is. We are still seeking the divine even in our ignorance. All grew to all, kindred and self and near. The intimacy of God was everywhere. No veil was felt, no brute barrier inert. Distance could not divide, time could not change. This is the true family we discover, the divine spiritual family. And I often give this example randomly anywhere. For instance, all of us are seated what connects us and makes us feel so close and one? Connected in this. Step out and start a church. Where are you coming from? Oh, you speak that language. Oh, we also eat this food. See the divisions that will start. But when you are in that ground, that matrix, there is such a joyous harmony. But the moment you go into the external world, color, gender, race, language, Hmm. All the barriers that the mind has erected, they will step in. Yes. So, all grew all to kindred. All grew to all kindred and self and near. The inner nearness, the true family. A fire of passion burned in spirit depths. Mm-hmm. A constant touch of sweetness linked all hearts. The throb of one adoration's single bliss in a rapt ether of undying love. And this sweetness remains, oh. you know. Time could not divide. You could be separated for a long time at long distance. But every time you meet, there is such a joy because the linkage is 
that golden chain through which we are all connected. Yes. An inner happiness abode in all, a sense of universal harmonies, a measureless, secure eternity of truth and beauty and good and joy made one. So we have heard about Satyam, Shivam, Sundaram. Shubindu has added Anandam. See, truth and beauty, Satyam, Sundaram, good, Shivam and joy. And along with that there is harmony. So this is the basis of harmony. True harmony is always in the divine and the door is through the psychic being. There is no other way. Outwardly we may try it, adjustment, accommodation, but it's only when we learn to love people from the soul depths can harmony come. Otherwise, there will be some reason or the other for division, for you know what humanity is in, we all know. Mm. So it is in the soul depths when we connect, one in the divine consciousness that the harmony will come. And what will come along with that? It's a package. The divine also gives a package. World is a package. You want success, fame, money. Go to God and ask all this. Okay, okay, I'll give you. So, thank you so much. You are so nice. Shrine where your mannat is getting fulfilled, whatever you wished is getting fulfilled. And while we are running, he says, Wait, it's a package. No, 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 I have got what I wanted. So, after some time, you will get the package. Package is along with that sorrow, suffering, which is a grace. Otherwise, one will be lost in it. The package, the deal is that when you get these things which are very pleasurable, they will stop us from progress. So, he has. Along with the, that, you know, every pleasure, every worldly joy is written below. Buy two sorrows free. <laughs> One doesn't know that somebody else is following, begun to chase. As soon as you have bought that little pleasure, you begun to chase. But divine is also a package. You may think that you have apparently left everything which you could think about. It's not that you are consciously leaving. It's a natural process. Who would eat? Uh, ka mithai after tasting, uh, you know, uh, Raj Bhog. So, <laughs> so, but then what happens is, you thought that, oh, from here you could get this, from here you could, but then you get all that. You could ever need and much more. That's Shubindu's letter. Um, the divine gives himself to those who give themselves to the divine. He doesn't compel us. For them, the beauty, the ananda, everything, it's a package. So people who say, oh, divine, bare reality, and then you have left behind, people don't know that actually it's not a renunciation because what you are going to sign up, that deal, is much more than all is too little that the world can give. This is how the next book starts. All is too little that the world can give. He is the source. So there you get truth, you get beauty, good, and joy. The real good for us. And last last two two lines. lines. Here was the welling core of finite life. A formless spirit became the soul of form. So this is where we have the meeting point of the formless and the form. Mm. So from here the finite life, the finite souls, individual souls, which have a form. That's how it all starts. So wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste, all.